Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. And a unique view of life. I also believe if we do that, if we really work on expressing our love for God and our love for others in proper ways, that we will be living the kind of life that God actually wants us to live. And there's a lot of joy found in doing that. Last Sunday, Dr. Shannon Lamb walked us through the glorious, profound, and meaningful Jesus poem found in Philippians chapter 2 that stresses this. Here's Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Wow! You! And and put your name into that because we have to personalize this. You, we, Valley Point, we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And what was his attitude? Well, Jesus leveraged who he was and what he had for others. That's what he did. Jesus leveraged who he was and what he had not for himself, which is what I tend to do, and maybe you feel the same way. Jesus didn't do that at all. He leveraged who he was and what he had for others. And he died to give us life. Imagine. Jesus, he used who he was and what he had for others, and he died to give us life. May we never grow tired of thinking and contemplating what Jesus has done for all of us. May we never get tired of talking about that. Confession, though, I forget all of the time about what Jesus has done for me, and I quickly get consumed with self to the point where I often put myself in front of everyone and everything, including Jesus. Does anybody else have this problem, or is it just me? Yeah. Well, guess what? There's good news, because Philippians is for me. And Philippians is for all of us, as it stresses, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Leverage who you are and what you have in service for others, and this is how we love God and how we love other people, and live out this unusual view of life, which is a fantastic way to live. We talked about all of that last Sunday in the opening part of chapter 2. Today we're going to finish out this chapter, and what we're going to find is that the Apostle Paul, who wrote this personal letter, to God's holy people living in the ancient city of Philippi, he encourages them, keep following the example of Jesus. That's what I want for you. And in writing to them, Paul is also writing to us, keep on living the example of Jesus. And what we find today in the second half of chapter 2 is Paul gets really practical. And he tells us how to actually do that. I would encourage you to take really good notes as we think about what God wants to say to us through this great book of Philippians. Okay, take out your talk notes. Go ahead and do that. I want to share a big idea with you that will frame our conversation, and then we'll get into our text. Here's the big idea. Living the story of Jesus 
Okay, this is what we've been thinking about. Here's how we all can live out the story of Jesus. It involves doing, living, holding, and rejoicing. Now, that sounds like a lot of ideas, not necessarily just one big idea, but I think as we move through the text, all of this will make sense. Doing, living, holding, and rejoicing, this is how we live out the story of Jesus. And it sounds like this. Philippians chapter 2, I'll begin reading with verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, if you like to highlight and underline, I would encourage you to make note of that particular phrase because it's a bit strange and peculiar. And what does Paul actually mean by work hard to show the results of your salvation? What does that mean? We're, we're going to get to that. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing. I kind of wish that verse wasn't there. <laughs> and maybe you feel the same way and we'll think through that a little bit because, again, Paul's just being very practical. This is one of the things I love about Scripture, right? Sometimes it's difficult and we have to wrestle with context and history and language to really pull out the meaning and then sometimes it just comes right out and says, everything, yeah, do that without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights. That's another phrase to highlight and underline. It kind of goes back to our church-wide life verses. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. You, Valley Point, you are the light of the world, right? That's what it's talking about here. Shine like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And then Paul says this, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that, say this word with me, joy. Remember, that's a theme in this book. So I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should, say it with me, rejoice. And I will share your, say it with me, joy. I want all of you to share that joy, yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Okay, here's what I want to do. From the text, I want to pull two thinking points, and in the midst of that, we'll get very practical as well and roll out some how statements, and then that will move us into our takeaways. Let's begin with some thinking points. Number one, working hard to show is not the same as working for salvation. And it's important that we make a differentiation there. Working hard to show is not the same as working for salvation. The text tells us, verse 12, work hard 
to show the results of your salvation. What does that mean? What does that mean? It, it almost sounds a bit disturbing. There are other versions that say, work out your salvation, which almost makes it seem like we should be working for it. But then you read other passages of Scripture that talk about salvation being this gift from God through the work of Jesus and his shed blood for us and his resurrection. And when we trust in that alone, when we believe in that, we are assured of a forever friendship with God that results in a forever home in heaven. Okay, that's salvation. Gift from God enacted with the blood of Jesus and his work on our behalf. And when we believe in that, we have a forever home in heaven. That's salvation. There are other verses in scripture that clearly state this. I'm thinking of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. This is also written by the Apostle Paul, same author. And here's what he says. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. <laughs> so in Ephesians chapter 2, we have Paul saying, you know, the salvation thing is not really something that you can work to get. It's a gift from God when you believe, and we can't take credit for it because it's all God. It's what he enacted for us by sending Jesus to die in our place. So it is a gift that we receive by faith, by trust. But then you get to Philippians chapter 2, and here Paul is stating, work hard to show the results of your salvation. So what does Paul mean? What is he saying with all of this? Well, we need to keep in mind that working hard to show is not the same as working for salvation. This is more about once you are saved, once you have trusted in the work of Jesus and you have embraced his leadership and his forgiveness, once you've done that, now live that this way or behave this way. Or do these things to demonstrate that you are saved. And in doing that, here's how you live out the story of Jesus. So Paul is not stating here that you can work for your salvation. You can't. It's earned by faith and by trust. He's talking about living out what we have trusted. Living the story of Jesus. And that's what it means to work hard to show the results of your salvation. That's thinking point number one. Here's the second thinking point, and that is living out what we have trusted is critical. It's so important for us as followers of Jesus to not hide what we have trusted, to not push it down, but to actually live out what we have trusted. That is critical. I think the question becomes how. How do you actually do that? Well, we all may have very different ideas about how we should be living out the story of Jesus. Here's where Paul gets practical, and it's beautiful and extraordinary. He rolls out four different hows 
Here's how you can actually do that. And this all comes right from the text. I think it's great. So let's learn together. Here's how we all can walk out of here in just a few moments and practically live out the story of Jesus. Ready? Here we go. How number one, do everything without complaining and arguing. That's really disturbing, isn't it? Yikes, I don't really like this one. So I think I'm out because I actually enjoy complaining and arguing sometimes. That can be a lot of fun. But yet Paul is stressing here to these believers living in this time, which I think is also appropriate for our context, that if you want to live out the story of Jesus, well, do everything without complaining and arguing. In a way, to kind of dismiss this, I looked up the word everything in the Greek which this was originally written in Greek, and I was hoping the original language might give me an out in some way, that everything doesn't actually mean everything. But when you look at this Greek word, everything, it means all, every, each, or whole. (laughs) So with the whole of me, with each part, all of it is to be done without complaining and arguing. Again, I think I'm out on this one. I don't like it. I don't like it. Do you remember in week one, we talked about the purpose of the book of Philippians? Every book is written with a purpose, and it's important to know that and understand it as we study. Well, the book of Philippians was written to help the Philippian believers, as well as all of us, live out the story of Jesus. And there's two key words in doing this. There's humility and then unity. And this is how we indeed live out the story of Jesus, with humility and with unity. Perhaps one of the greatest ways we as followers can be humble in all of our interactions with others and with our interactions with people outside of here too, where we live, work, and play. Perhaps one of the greatest ways we can really live out humility is to do everything without complaining and arguing. Really hard though, isn't it? Really hard. So let's dive into these words, complain and argue. Complain has the idea of grumbling discontent. Okay, it's beyond exasperation. I think we all get exasperated with people and with circumstances and with things. And I don't believe that's what's being discussed here in terms of complaining. It's about grumbling discontent. It's about... Like picture a bulldog with spit flying everywhere. I think that's the idea of complaining here, grumbling discontent. Just jowls moving. That's the picture we have here. And we probably should avoid doing that as we humbly interact with other people. This word argue here, the intent is that we don't argue to hurt, to destroy, or to disunify. So arguing occurs, we will debate, and some of that is healthy and good because it helps refine us and clarify our beliefs. But when we argue with the intent to hurt or destroy or disunify, that's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of Jesus, and that's not going to help us live out his story. Imagine for a moment, 
Just imagine with me, if Christ followers chose to do everything without complaining and arguing, oh my, would that make a difference in our context? I think we all know the answer to that, and we may not want to admit it because this is a really hard thing. But again, Paul's getting very practical, and he's saying, if you want to live out the story of Jesus, if you want to demonstrate your salvation, well, do everything without complaining, that grumbling discontent, and don't argue in such a way that you hurt or destroy or disunify things. It's not the way of Jesus. That's how number one. Here's how number two, live clean by being a bright light. Ding, 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 ding. I, I think the clue phone should be ringing on that one because we have worked hard as a church to embrace Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, our church-wide life verses that talk about being a bright light. You are the light of the world. No one takes a lamp and puts it under a basket. That doesn't make any sense at all. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. We actually worked on memorizing this together. So let's say it. Ready? You are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And I believe that's what Paul is addressing here. Live clean. And the way you live clean is by recognizing that if I have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue me, I am the light of the world. So live clean by being a bright light. That's how number two. How number three, hold out the word of life. Hold it out. That's what verse 16 tells us. That phrase, hold firmly or hold out, has the idea to hold forward. So again, I think this kind of feeds back into how number two. Be a bright light, and we can live clean that way. Another way to do that is by holding forward the word of life, which the word of life is the truth about Jesus and how he came and lived and died and rose again for us. That's not something we're meant to bottle up and keep inside or put under a basket no, we hold that forth. We hold it forward so that other people can respond and see that and enjoy it as well. So live clean by being a bright light, and then let's add to that holding out, holding firmly, holding forward the word of life and giving that to others. And then one final how, and that is rejoice. Rejoice, 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 that is a constant theme throughout this book, joy. We see it in what Paul says and how he lives. And I think it's really important to remember that Paul is not writing this while floating on a cloud somewhere or living in an ivory tower. Remember, he's in prison when he wrote these words. He's not in a great place. Yet in the midst of that, he is encouraging people to rejoice. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. If we live out the story of Jesus, there is cause for joy and cause for rejoicing, even if we don't feel great about our condition. Now, think about this for a moment. The joy Paul speaks of is not a call to forget or to ignore the multiple 
human dimensions of our daily lives. It's not a call to ignore the human conditions around us. We can't do that. That's impossible for us just to have a fake kind of joy. Paul is saying, let's take those things, these multiple dimensions of human life around us and the human condition, and in spite of all of that, we can live the story of Jesus. And when that happens, there is joy. Think about this. Jesus had emotions. And Scripture tells us that Jesus wept. He did. He wept at the graveside of a friend who had passed. He cried. He was moved emotionally by that. And he wept in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he would die on a cross when he knew the pain of what was coming and recognizing that he would bear all of our sins on himself. He wept over that. It moved him emotionally. So Paul is not calling for us to ignore all of that. He's simply saying, if we live out the story of Jesus, if we do everything without complaining and arguing, if we live clean by being a bright light, if we hold out the word of life, we have opportunity to rejoice with what may be happening around us, even if it's not great. And in doing that, guess what? Philippians 2.5. We have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. So do you see how all of this kind of comes together? Having the same attitude as Jesus, living for others. In this, we demonstrate our salvation, our belief in Jesus alone by doing all of these different things. These are ways we live out the story of Jesus. Not necessarily easy, but it really can be done. It can be, and we should all aspire to pursue these things if we've trusted. Question, could these things, could these things, if we just did them a little bit, <laughs> could they make a difference in our context? If we did everything without complaining and arguing, if we lived clean by being a bright light, if we held forward the words of life, and if we rejoiced in the midst of all of this, could that make a difference in our context? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Paul wants us to give our lives for this. Okay. Some of you are looking at our remaining time, and you are recognizing that there are still a lot of verses left in chapter 2 that we haven't read yet, and you're thinking, there's no way that I can read all of those verses, get to our takeaways, share the big idea one more time, and pray us out so we can leave here on time and enjoy sunshine outside. That's what you're thinking. I know that about you. So let me assure you, I'm actually not going to read the rest of the verses, but I do want to make a couple of comments about what's left, and then we'll move into our takeaways. All right? So what we find in verses 19 through 24, and please read them today. I would encourage you to do that. What we find in verses 19 through 24 is that Paul presents a guy by the name of Timothy. Timothy is someone that Paul refers to as a son in the faith. They had a great relationship, so much so that Paul writes two other books in the New Testament named First and Second Timothy as a way to encourage this young leader to have faith and to stand up for God. 
In this part of chapter 2, Paul presents Timothy, and he says, this Timothy guy, he's great. I, I really like my son in the faith, Timmy. And guess what Timothy is doing? He, he's living out the story of Jesus. That's what he's doing. So follow his example. That's what Paul encourages the believers to do, and, and we can do the same thing. And then what we find in verses 25 through 30 is that Paul presents another guy. His name is Epaphroditus. Nice name, right? He says, Epaphroditus, this guy. Oh, boy, Epaphroditus, he's great. He's great, and he's living out the story of Jesus, and I want you to follow his example as well. So in a very unique way, Paul ends this chapter after talking about having the same attitude that Christ Jesus had and do everything without complaining and arguing and live clean by being a bright light and hold forward the words of life and rejoice. After all of that, he says, I've got some human examples for you because there are people actually doing this, like Timothy. So follow his example. And like Epaphroditus. Follow his example. So please read through that today, and I would encourage you to do this as you read through the text there. Think about people in your life and in your world who are truly living out the story of Jesus. Maybe you have someone close to you who does almost everything without complaining and arguing. And they're living clean by being a bright light, and they're holding forward the truth about Jesus. And they're rejoicing even when tough stuff happens around them. If you have that person in your life, attach yourself to them and follow their example. Because guess what? They're living the story of Jesus. They may not even know it, but they are living out the story of Jesus. And we need to follow those kinds of examples. Now, here is the encouragement for all of us. We need to be those kinds of people, okay? And that's why this is such an important challenge for us to not complain and to be a bright light and to hold forward the word of life and to rejoice so that we can be the types of individuals that others are looking at and saying, I need to follow them because they really are living out the story of Jesus. And that's fantastic. It's a great thing. Christopher Gears and Mark Patty wrote a book called The Pietist Option. The Pietist Option talks about hope and renewal for Christianity and how that can occur. They then say this, which is our first takeaway. Those who come into the presence of God through prayer, study, and worship are then sent out awestruck and inspired to live in service to others. And I think all of that basically boils down to having the same attitude as Jesus, who used who he was and what he had for others. Uniquely, we've had time today to pray together, to study, and to respond to the greatness of God. We've had that chance so now, hopefully, everyone is awestruck and inspired with what Paul has presented in Philippians chapter 2 to go out and live in service to others. And again, we practically do that by doing 
everything without complaining and arguing and living clean lives by being a bright light, holding out the truth about Jesus, the word of life, holding that forward and rejoicing. Here's the final takeaway, and that is reinvest some time in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, our church-wide life verses for 2020 that talk to us about being the light of the world. Just get those back into your minds and into your hearts because it really can propel us to indeed live out the story of Jesus. I have a practical way, I think, for us to consider all of this. And that is, on your way out today, we have designed new invite cards that simply say, Be Our Guest. And it has a little bit of information about Valley Point Church, the times of our gatherings. I would encourage you to take some of those cards as you walk out and be prepared to invite your one. Fill the chair next to you. Perhaps ask someone to join you next week so that they can consider the claims of Christ. In doing that, I think it's a really simple way to just put a tool in someone's hands that may indeed ignite a little bit of conversation where we then, with something as simple as an invite card, can hold forward the word of life and the truth about Jesus and invite them into a spiritual journey. So please consider doing that as you leave. Again, just a practical way to live out what we find in Philippians chapter 2. Back to the big idea. Living the story of Jesus involves doing, living, holding, and rejoicing. May God give us all the courage and strength and passion to do that this week. Father, again, we thank you for this day and for this time, for the words found in Philippians chapter 2, which are practical for us, yet difficult. It's not easy to do these things, but yet it is a way we can be a bright light and demonstrate our belief in you. So God, help us to consider these things and to rejoice. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.